Today we begin a brand new series called The Unhurried Life. We're going to walk our way for several weeks through the book of Psalms, and we're going to see how it is that you and I can slow our lives down to where we are living life in God's rhythm and at the pace of grace. Today is part one, and I know you're going to enjoy this new sermon series out of the book of Psalms. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 46, verse 10. As some of you know, we're, we are entering a new series that's going to take us through the summer, and it is a series entitled The Unhurried Life. The Unhurried Life. I want us to begin to discover, to really tap into, to really learn what it is to live life in God's rhythm and at God's pace. I don't have to tell you that we live too hurried of a life. If I'm preaching to the choir today, say amen. Amen. We live too fast, right? We live too hurried. We're too panicked. We have more than what we can handle on our plate. And my question today, and really throughout the next 13 weeks, is this. Is this God's will For us to live this way. I think the Bible is going to tell us the answer. So today we're going to begin our series with a sermon entitled, Unhurried Rest. The premise of today is that most of us, including myself, we do not know the biblical way to rest. When I say rest this morning and throughout the rest of the day, I'm not talking about a good eight or nine or ten hours worth of sleep. Because how many of you know you can sleep in your body but wake up exhausted? You can sleep in your body but wake up exhausted. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes a good night's sleep is not the rest that we truly need. Yet Jesus says... I will give you rest for your souls, and we're going to show you that today. I'm talking about a rest that is in God's rhythm, a rest that is in the pace of grace, a rest that no matter what happens on the external, no matter what is going on outwardly around you, whether you can control it or you cannot control it, there is a rest inwardly that you can enter. And that by God's grace, you can know and you can have. Psalm chapter 46, verse 10 says, Be still. (laughs) Be still and know that I am God. Hallelujah. I want to understand this morning, how do you and I enter a place of stillness? How do we go into slowing our life down, slowing our heart down, slowing our mind down, slowing the rhythm down to where we're in God's rhythm? A Chinese pastor noted that many of us are not walking with God because God walks slower than we walk. 
And if you're someone that you catch yourself saying, I just don't have enough hours in the day, then I'm going to propose to you that you're living life wrong. If you're someone who says, oh, I just, I lose myself in my work, then I'm going to propose to you that you're living your life wrong. The Bible tells us, be still and know that I'm God. Now, I'm not preaching against work today. As a matter of fact, I think work is ordained by God. I think work brings deep significance into our life. I think work is healthy. I think work is good. And I realize that I have an array of people in the audience today. There are some of you that you work more hours than what you should. There are some of you that have very demanding employment. There are some of you that your job demands immensely out of you. There's some of you that you're in that beautiful stage of retirement and, and, and you have worked your entire life, but you're in a season of retirement. There's some of you that you're in college right now. You haven't even began your real career yet. There's some of you who are stay-at-home parents. There's some of you that are disabled. We have all kinds of different people in the audience today, but be assured all of us are called to engage in the work of God. Every single one of us. You are to take your giftings. You are to take your talents. You are to take the skills that God has given you. You're to take your personality and you're to take the spirit God has given you and engage in the work of God. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with work. The Bible teaches that if a man does not work, he's worse than an unbeliever. The Bible teaches that if a man does not provide for his family, he is out of shape spiritually and not pleasing unto the Lord. God values work. But the problem, and and I want everyone on the same page with me this morning on this, and I want you to understand from my heart what I'm saying. Our problem in our society is not that we do not value work. It's actually quite the opposite. We place the value of who we are based upon what we do. And we don't value rest the way we should value it, the way God values it. So what we do in our culture is we say, when our work is finished, then I will rest. And how many of you know that never happens? Those of you that are in certain job positions, how many of you know, the better work you do, how are you rewarded? With more work. (laughs) And it's never going to end. Today, I want us to understand why and how God values rest. And I want us to understand how to enter into that rest that you and I would be in the rhythm and the pace that God has for us. Now, in our day of living, we have these little things called smartphones. Hmm. Did you know there's a brand out now called Dumb Phones, and they're growing. You can Google it, Dumb Phones. (laughs) We have these smartphones, and, you know, a generation ago, they predicted of our day that technology would be the such that we would be the most leisure generation on earth. But is that true? It's just the opposite. A man in the 1960s, and his name fails me, he won a Nobel Prize. He was a computer engineer. 
and he saw uh, uh, what technology was going to do in the future. He's such a visionary, and, and his name fails me. He was some type of electronic engineer, something like that. And in the 19, I think it was the late 50s, maybe the early 60s, listen to what he said. He said, coming in the future is going to be a wealth of information, a wealth. Is that not the day we live right now? Everything's at your fingertips, right? But listen to what he said. He said, a wealth of information will lead to a poverty of attention. Now let that sink in for a moment. A wealth of information will lead to a poverty of attention. Do you know what God is actively teaching me in the season of blindness that I'm facing? God is actively teaching me that I have never known a season in my life where I was still enough to really know that he is God. There's never been a season of my life where God had my full, undivided attention. I've been like Martha. I have rather worked for God than to let God work in me. Even this past weekend, I went with our church group to Kentucky to the Ark Encounter and Creation Museum. There was no need for me to go to the exhibits because I can't see any of it. Although I did want to drive those little scooters, right? But Joni and Harry wouldn't allow me to do that, being the group leaders. But that would have been fun. So I stayed in my hotel room. A lot of people asked me, well, why are you going? If you're just going to go sit in a hotel room, then why make the trip? Well, there were several reasons. One, you know, I wanted to enjoy the team. I wanted to enjoy the group. Two, I went to do the devotion for that Sunday morning, which we greatly enjoyed. I greatly enjoyed. But I went to rest. I went to rest to get away. The Lord showed me, even on this trip, the Lord showed me, I don't know how to rest. Because in one side of my mouth, I said, I'm going to rest. But in the other side of my mouth, you know what I said? I'm going to lay out these 13-week sermon series. I'm going to get to work on small groups and developing that curriculum. There's about three books I'm listening to right now that I'm going to try to finish. Do you see the problem? So Ben and Jared were so kind to help me get my... AI devices up and going. I have Google and I have Alexa and, you know, I talk to them and they help me find information and they help me study and all this and that. And so Sunday morning I wake up and my internet isn't working. Okay, Google, what time is it? I can't connect to the internet. Alexa, what time is it? I can't connect to the internet. Take my phone. What time is it? I can't connect to the internet. (sighs) Okay. All right. Well, what am I going to (laughs) do? I can tell it's early. And they come and got me each morning for breakfast at 8.30, which was wonderful. They spoiled me so much. I told Sadie what all they did for me. She said, you're never going on another church trip. That's ridiculous. (laughs) I mean, they had my juice to the right, my coffee to the left. They're making me a bagel. I mean, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. And it was very appreciated. I knew they were coming at 8.30, but I didn't know what time it was. 
I hum hauled for a while. I got all packed up. I'm ready to go. I'm sitting on the edge of the bed and I'm ready for breakfast. And finally, I call front desk. You know, I fumble for the phone and, you know, front desk answers. Hey, can you tell me what time it is? Yes, sir. It's 6.45 a.m. And I go, oh, (laughs) 6.45. And I'm ready to go. I'm ready to eat breakfast. can't call Ben at 645 or Jared at 65. And I go, God, what am I going to do? And let me tell you what I find. I'm going to show you a scripture in a moment to support it. I found restlessness rising up. Restlessness. Do you know we have a hard time resting? So I got a lot of time to kill. And I say, God, what should I do? And the Holy Spirit said, why don't you get on your knees and pray? So I did. And you know what began to happen through that time period? God began to show me things and speak to me about things that were nowhere on my radar. See, I'm the type of person, always have to have something going, right? Got to have music going, got to be listening to a podcast, listening to a book. Got to have something on in the background. And you know what God's showing me? I don't know how to be still. I don't know how to let my soul rest. Anybody with me today? So we have our smartphones that promise more productivity. We have our tablets that promise more productivity. We have our workflows and our work rhythms, and they promise that we're going to get more things done in a faster way. But how many of you know that's not the pace of grace? That's not the rhythm that God has for us. To help support my idea today, I'm going to do what I never do. I never show video clips. I just don't care for that. I'd rather expound the scriptures, which we will do. But if you'll forgive my hypocrisy, because I frown inwardly when a preacher shows video clips, I just don't care for it. But if you'll forgive my hypocrisy this morning, I'm going to show you a video clip that is a classic, and I think we're going to relate to this in a huge way. Watch this quick video clip. I thought you were downstairs boxing chocolates. Oh, they kicked me out of there fast. Why? I kept pinching them to see what kind they were. (laughs) This is the fourth department I've been in. Oh, I didn't do so well either. All right, girls. Now, this is your last chance. If one piece of candy gets past you and into the packing room unwrapped, you're fired. Yes, ma'am. Let her
you're doing splendidly. Speed it up, <laughs> In that classic American television. But listen, this is, this is the day in which we're living. We are told that we can keep up. And the fact is, you can't keep up. And we're told that one day, someday, you'll be able to rest. But that's a myth and that's a lie. Next time, those of you who are going on vacation this summer, look around while you're at vacation and notice how many people are working on vacation. Watch how many people are still being productive even on their vacation. I was surprised when I went to Kentucky, my goal was to rest while being productive. And so while it's not chocolates speeding toward us on the conveyor belt of life, it is emails, it is to-do lists, It is family responsibilities and work responsibilities. And we have all this stuff. Most of us have more on our plate than we can possibly handle. And what is the outcome? The outcome is that you are utterly exhausted and you're not engaged in kingdom work like you should be. Because there's not time. And so we give this, we tell ourselves this myth that when life slows down, we'll do better. But it will never slow down. That's why we must enter into the rest. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 4. I want us to look at verse 9 through verse 11. If you'll go with me there. My question today that I want to answer is if the Bible commands me, be still, then how do I enter that? If the Bible commands me, Chad, slow down and know that I am God. Because here's what's happening in my conveyor belt of life. What I'm doing is I am telling myself that there are more hours in the day than I can, than what I, I can accomplish. I need more hours. What I'm telling myself is that my to-do list is so big and I am so important that I am the most important thing happening. And God's saying, no, no, Chad, you've got it backward. When you slow down and you be still, you recognize God is the most important thing in your life, not what you have to accomplish. He is God. We are not. Amen? So notice Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9. It says, so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Hallelujah. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Whoever enters into that rest, the old King James says, has ceased from their labor, has ceased from their works, as did God. So then, strive to enter that rest that you may not fall into judgment as others have. So then, strive to enter into that rest. Now, I find that fascinating Work to enter rest, strive to enter rest. I don't understand that. God, am I to work or am I to rest? Do you know what I think the scripture is telling us? Be intentional. Make it priority that you enter into rest because, friends, it does not come natural. I think if you try to slow your life down, you're going to find the inward resistance that I am finding. You're going to find restlessness 
rising up that I find as well. And this is why scripture commands us strive to enter that rest. Now, is this text talking about one day we'll pass away and this is the rest of eternity? Yes, I think so. But I also think it's telling us get into the weekly, get into the daily rhythm of God's rest for you. I don't think it's one or the other. I think it's both. Because if you take it too far to, well, I'm going to rest one day when I die, then you keep pushing out to one day. And you're not living daily as God would so have you to live. So note what it says. So then there remains a rest, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Our culture knows nothing of Sabbath. God created the Sabbath. He even gave us the example in his own work of creation in Genesis chapter 1. And God created the Sabbath and through the centuries, man has messed with it. And in the beginning, God's mentality of Sabbath was, you don't have to work on this day. Rest, enjoy. But over time, it became You cannot work on this day. That's what man does. It makes it legalistic. Some of you know this. If you wear one pair of tennis shoes every day, how quick do they wear out? But if you alternate, how long will they last? If something as silly as tennis shoes need rest, how much more does your body? How much more does your soul? God knows that we need rest. And so what I read in verse 9, read it again, what I read is this incredible invitation of God. So then there remains a rest for the people of God. And whoever enters into that rest, are you entering daily into a rest? Are you entering weekly into the rest that God has? You say, Chad, I cannot control what is going on. Yes, you may not be able to control the outward, but you can control the inward. There may be circumstances in your job or in your family that right now it is beyond your ability to control, but you can control inwardly. And Friends, this is where the rest is found. It's not found in the outward because it's never going to go away. It's going to be found in the inward. It's the inward life that we miss. And in our Western way of thinking, and especially the Western culture of the church, what we bring to God are our to-do list. And God doesn't want our to-do list. God wants our heart. God wants the inward life. God wants to affect the soul. That's what God desires. But no, we're so work-driven, we're so ambition-driven that what we do in our culture is we say, no, God, what, what I value is my work. That's my identity. And God says, oh, no, it's not. I feel the struggle in myself. I think to myself, if I wasn't a pastor, who would I be? If God spoke to me and said, I want you to step down from being the pastor and I just want you to attend church, don't lead. Because so often my identity is not in who I am, but in what I do. 
That's why so many, when they retire, have such a difficult time because their value and their identity is in what they do, but that's not who you are. And if you're someone today that you're not quite sure really who you are, it might be because you're not entering into the rest that God has for you because that's where we learn, that's where we know who God truly is and therefore who we truly are. The Sabbath. What is the Sabbath? Eugene Peterson explained it better than anyone I've ever heard explain it. He says that the Sabbath is a day that while I clutch my to-do list with my white knuckles, I mean just holding on to all that I think is important because I think I'm important. The Sabbath is when I lay it down and I say, no, God, you are important. I trust you to help me get done all that I need to. If you're someone that you literally cannot get everything done, then maybe you're not living at God's pace. You say, Chad, that's easy. That's easy for you to say. No, no. Let me tell you, God's asking me right now in this hour of my life, do I really believe the word of God? Go to Matthew chapter 11, and this is where I'll end our text today. Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. Now think about it, this idea of Sabbath. Sabbath means I'm going to trust God. Sabbath means I'm not going to hold on to all that I have to do. No, I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to trust God. You know, our Western way of thinking is so opposite many times of God's way of thinking, even to the fact of how we measure our days. You know that in the Old Testament and in Jewish culture, you know, the day began with sunset. Did you know that? And it ends with sunrise. That was God's cycle. Ours is opposite. It begins with sunrise. That's when our work day begins. But see, to the Jew, it was very different. And could it be that God so invites us into rest that listen how he did it. He said, I'm going to begin my work while you're asleep. (laughs) You think about this. God's beginning his work of covenant because what does the Bible say? Every morning his mercies are what? Renewed. While you and I slept last night, God was beginning his covenant yet again. God's working on creation yet again. And what awaits us every single morning is covenant and creation, the work of God that you and I cannot control, and we are to rest while God does his greatest work. And then after resting, then we begin our day. See, we are opposite. We begin our day and then rest at the end. The problem is our work doesn't finish. It follows us into the night. Is that right or is that wrong? And see, God invites us to say, no, 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 no. Begin your day with rest and end it with your labor. Do you see what I'm saying there? Here's the point. Good work is rooted in good rest. 
And if you and I are not resting biblically and resting properly, if we're not in a rhythm of rest that God not only created, that God not only instituted, but God did himself, then I would propose to you, you and I are doing life wrong. Matthew chapter 11, verse 29 Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Can we just, oh, Jesus, let that sink into me. Learn from me. You have to excuse me. I just want to pray for a moment. God, I don't want to do life wrong, and I don't want to do life the way I think or the way my culture thinks. I want to learn from you. Teach me, Lord. Teach me. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart. And then what's he say? You will find rest for your souls. Some of you here today, you're taking something to help you sleep, but it's not. You're still exhausted. You know why? You need rest in your soul. Your body will follow. Don't worry about your body. Get the rest for your soul and your body will follow. He says, you will find rest for your soul. And listen to what he says, verse 30. For my yoke is what? Easy. And my burden is light. In other words, what God is saying, now think about this. He's saying, my yoke is well Fitted. It's easy. Let me tell you what I'm learning right now. (laughs) It astounds me. As my vision was declining all of last year, I would think to myself, if I go blind, what will life be like? Let me tell you, it is nothing like what I thought it would be, nothing. I had difficult times, absolutely, and still do from time to time, but very rarely now. I haven't knocked over a drink in quite some time, knock on wood. I thought going into it, I thought losing the ability to drive, losing my independence, Losing my mobility would be one of the hardest things. To not just run out and grab lunch. To not just run to the post office, go to the bank, run and get what I want. Stay and work as late as I want. Get up as early as I want and go in. Oh, I just thought that would be the most constricting, the most restrictive area of, oh, I just, oh, I just cringe to even think about not having the ability to drive any longer scared me. Let me tell you in all sincerity and with the Lord as my witness, let me tell you, I've been blind for eight months now and in eight months I have not had one single urge to drive, not even one to God's glory. Amen. And let me tell you what I found. See, it's completely opposite of what I thought. What I thought was going to be incredibly restrictive, what I thought was going to be such a constraint, ended up being completely opposite. I didn't know how 
panicked and frantic and rushed, I was really living life. Do you ever see me drive? Probably because you couldn't see me. I put the pedal to the metal. When they dropped downtown to that one lane, it drove me insane. I told God, first biker I see, I'm going to run over them. And I went everywhere fast. And I drove fast and I walked fast and I talked fast and I thought fast and I did everything fast. My nemesis were red lights. I even hated red lights. So I was always in a hurry. Always. And you know what I found? What I thought was going to be the most restrictive, constraining thing has really been a world of freedom. Isn't that just like the Lord? Now there's this, now there's space in my life. We were coming to the ark and Sadie has the most difficult job. She's trying to get the kids ready and, you know, the only thing I have to worry about is not falling down the stairs. That's all I have to worry about. And she's getting this and getting that and getting this. And we're getting ready to come down and meet the team to go to the ark. And Miss Joni told, told me, you know, she's going to be here at nine. And I'm not going to make Miss Joni late, right? And, uh, and we're running late. We're running late. We're running late. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. Come on. Let's go. Come on. Let's go. Kids, get your shoes on. Let's go. And for the first time in eight months, I felt that anxiety rising up. I'm just amazed that God has taken what was so constricting and has made so much space in my life. It amazes me. You say, Chad, why are you telling me this? Because here's my point. When you're in God's rhythm, now see, I don't know what God's going to do with my eyesight over the next few months. I don't know what he's going to do over the next few years. I, I don't know. I know this, I can tell you this, that when I look back at the process of losing vision, I can see preparation after preparation after preparation. Even in the fact, some of you will, will remember this, the two years we preached through Acts, about six weeks in, God said, quit preaching with notes. <laughs> Why do you think God allowed me to preach two years without any notes? Because he saw this day coming when I could not use any notes. See the preparation? God prepared me, amen? And I think just like when the healing happens, I'm gonna look back and see preparation upon preparation during the blindness, amen? So I don't know what God is doing in that sense. I don't know, I don't know when or how or what is, to, I can't tell you any of that. But here is the one thing right now that I can testify to, that I can tell you that this yoke that I have is well fitted. It is easy and it is light. Can you believe I'm saying that? But I'm telling you, as God, as my witness, this yoke is easy and this burden is light. I never thought I would say that. But it's the truth. Today, I am more productive without eyesight than I was with eyesight. And do you know why? Because his yoke is well fitted. It's well fitted. It's easy. 
And so today, if you're under a crushing weight, I'm telling you, that's not the yoke of Christ. If you're under a burden that is about to snap you, that's not the yoke of Christ. You're wearing somebody else's yoke. It's not his. And Jesus says, come to me. Learn from me. Because I am gentle. And I am lowly in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is well fitted. And my burden is light. Hallelujah. Amen. Can we just thank the Lord today that his yoke is easy? Amen. Let me tell you, it is not God's will for you to be stressed out today. It is not God's will for you to be crushed under the weight of anxiety. It is not God's will for you to carry so much upon your shoulders that you can barely breathe. No, that's not what God has for you. God has a wide space for you. God has a place of gentleness for you. God has a place of ease for you. That don't mean the outward circumstance is going to be easy. That means the inward peace is going to be, as we just studied in Philippians, surpassing all understanding. There are some times in my blindness, and I am not lying to you, there are times in my blindness that I just almost have to pinch myself to say, God, I can't believe how much you helped me. The other night, uh, the other morning, I woke up. It's so funny. I woke up, and I must have dreamed that I saw a commercial. And I was thinking over the commercial as I was getting ready. And I was thinking about the commercial. And I literally had to stop and say, was that a dream? And then I had to remind myself, I can't see anything. Of course it was a dream. How else would I have watched it? There are literally times I forget. I forget. You know why? Because his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. So no matter what you're facing today, let me say this and I finish. Michael can go ahead and come. You're not to wear other people's yokes. Some of you have a problem. You have a huge problem. You got a massive problem. And your problem is that you cannot say no. If that's you, just say no right now. You said it. I'm surprised. I didn't think anyone would say it. <laughs> you can't say no. Let me say, and I'm not being silly. I'm being very serious right now. When people begin to put their weight on you, when people begin to put their expectations on you and you have a hard time saying no, here's what you need to begin doing. Here's what I need to begin doing. We need to stop and pray and say, Lord, is this your yoke? Would you have me do this? And if the Lord says no, do you know what you need to tell those people? Be it family, be it coworkers, be it friends, whoever. Be it your pastors. You need to say with all sincerity, not arrogantly, with sincerity. You need to say, I'm sorry, but I don't think the Lord would have me do that. Don't say it arrogantly. Say it with sincerity. I don't think the Lord would have me do that. Now, who can argue with that? (laughs) You want to argue, argue with the Lord. But I'm sorry. I would love to help you. 
Oh, I would love to be involved in that. I would love to lead that. Oh, I would love, that sounds like something that I would like to do, but you know, I, I just, I'm sorry. I don't think the Lord would have me do that. I sat down Friday with a very successful business leader who attends our church. And this brother was sharing with me, he's built his business to a place where he's got some new freedom. Last year, he told me he'd be on the ball field with his son and phone would ring constantly, taking him away, taking him away. And he's got his business to a place where he wants and he's got a friend in his ear saying, you shouldn't be comfortable. You should be ambitious. You should keep going, keep going, keep going. But is that the yoke of Christ? Ambition can be a good thing, but it can also be a deadly thing. For Jesus said, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. See, what does culture tell us? Drive, drive, drive. And what does God tell us? Be still and know that I'm God. So where are you in your life today? Can you enter this stillness? Say, Chad, just tell me one more time. How do I be still? You enter into God's rest. You accept the invitation of God to say, God, I'm going to pull myself away from these things from time to time. I'm going to pull myself away. And I'm going to focus on what you would have, your yoke. I realize that many of you work for jobs that they ask too much of you. They do. They do. And I'm not telling you at all to cheat or to slack in your responsibility. But I am telling you, you can live in God's rhythm. You can. And you ask the Lord to show you how. You ask the Lord to show you what the pace of grace is for you and right now in this season. And don't say one day, you know, after we get that project done, after we close that deal, after I get the promotion, after my kids are out of school or when my kids go back to school or whatever the case is, don't put it off. Say, God, today I'm going to step in to the rest that you have for me and my family. And we're going to focus on what matters. We're going to know that you are God. Amen. Let's bow our heads today. Jesus, I thank you for your precious, precious word. God, I thank you for your yoke. For it is well fitted. It is easy. And it is light. Now, God, I want to invite your people to take off the yokes that other people have put on them today and to receive your yoke. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you need to come to this altar today and just kneel down or sit down or stand and just say, God, I'm gonna take the yoke off that I've been wearing for so long. Slip out of your seat right now. Come up here, just take it off and leave it at this altar. Expectations that others have put on you, responsibilities that others have put on you that God has not. Just come up here and say, God, I'm going to leave it at the altar today. I'm leaving it there. I'm not taking it home. I'm going to take your yoke with me.
You want the well-fitted yoke of Jesus? You got to take these others off. So I invite you to come and pray today. Just slip out, come and pray and say, Jesus, I'm gonna enter your rest today. I'm gonna enter your rest. I'm gonna enter your rest. Oh God, make us, make us more pleasant. Some of us are sharp. We're sharp with others because we're not restful. Some of us are, uh, we're just rude and we're, we're snippy and we snap at others because we're not well rested. Some of us will go through life like zombies because we're not well rested. Some of us are just functioning on autopilot because we're not well rested. Some of us, our marriages are in trouble because we're not well rested. Some of us, we're not engaged in kingdom activity because we're not well rested. You value rest. God, help me to value it. You gave the example of rest. Let me follow your example. And forgive me, God. Forgive me, Chad Roberts, the lead pastor. Forgive me for all of my busyness, God. Like Cain, I would bring my offerings of busyness to you, but you have no interest in them. No interest. Forgive me, God, for all my to-do list. Forgive me, God, for all of my, what I think are accomplishments, yet they've achieved nothing in the kingdom of God. Forgive my busyness. Forgive my busyness, Lord. Forgive my need to feel value in what I do and not in who you say I am. Forgive me of that, God. Forgive me for wearing the title pastor as though it is the most important thing about me. It is not. It is not. It is not. Forgive me. God, may I enter into your rest. May I enter into your Sabbath. May I enter into your rhythm. May I enter into your pace of grace that other people don't set the tone for me and that my work environment does not set the tone for me. The Spirit of God sets the tone and sets the pace. No longer, God, will I try to say there's not enough hours in the day. No, there is sufficient hours in what you've created. There is sufficiency in what you have told me to do. Sufficient sufficient help me to learn to say no really more than I say yes help me to learn the value of no the Lord would not have me do that at this time help me to learn that God I don't want to disappoint people but God mostly I don't want to disappoint you and every time I say yes to something that is not your will, I say no to the perfect will and peace of God. Every time I say yes to a yoke that doesn't belong to me, I say no to the easy, well-fitted yoke of Jesus. So teach me. Let me learn of you. Let me know of your gentleness, of your lowliness, and give great rest to my soul that I will carry out the work the will the plan of God for my life 
In Jesus' name, amen.